coming in as Bloom. Millendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour on Flames Talk. It is Tuesday, October 31st. Boom! Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Copy Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. Steinberg, Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. Hi, Vicks. Hello, Patrick. What's going on, buddy? Not much. Not much. Hey, I, I do I do think that we're kind of in that stretch where existential conversations are valid. The Flames are in a very, very interesting pocket of their existence right now and it feels like we're, we're kind of at a threshold right of crossroads crossroads threshold interesting Boiling time point? period like pivot point maybe it feels like here in the next little bit Craig Conroy and hockey ops is going to have to make a call on this season are you going to full-on commit to this group right now and make hard runs at re-signing the UFAs you want to keep. And you only do that if your team is giving you, I think, signs that suggest that you should do that. Right. Or do you follow what the signs are and the cues are right now? And do those cues continue to point you in a direction where maybe it's time to pivot? So... We told you on Monday's Flames Talk that the Flames and and the UFAs that we're talking about, specifically Lindholm and Hannafin, have kind of moved into wait-and-see mode once again. There was momentum for a little while there last week on Hannafin, it felt like. But as we talked a lot about on on Monday's show, both sides now very much in, hold on, wait-and-see, let's see how this thing plays out. And I know Francis wrote about it over at sportsnet.ca on Tuesday. And and same thing. Like, just maybe hit the pause button here. And I think that that is a mutual wait-and-see attitude. I think the players, um, as we talked about yesterday, I think the players are very much like, hold on, let's just, let's just see where this thing goes. And if you're Craig Conroy, you should be doing the same thing. So because we know that's the situation they're in, and we talked a lot about this on our, I think it was our one. Yeah, it was our one of Flames Talk on Monday. We talked a lot about this, about what they should do and how they should approach it. But what we didn't get into is what happens if the pivot gets made? And what happens if Craig Conroy has made or will make the decision to go down the trade road and start to deal the players that they don't believe they can sign long-term? Hannafin, Lindholm. Tanev, Zadorov, those are the four that come to mind. What the heck do those trades look like? And what type of assets could the Flames be getting in return? I think, that's a, I think that's a really important conversation to be having right now. I think it's easiest, and this is going to be selfish of me, it's easiest to start with Tanev and Zadorov. Because to me, you hold them to the trade deadline and you try to create individual bidding wars for those two. In regards to Lindholm and Hannafin, those are two players that if 
my direction is not re-signing and to see what I can get on the market for him via trade. I'm open to moving them at any point once the right offer in my mind comes across my email, my phone, via text. However, the negotiation is going to go down. I'm not waiting for the deadline to try and create a bidding war there because I don't think necessarily their value is higher than whereas I can see the scenario where there's nine teams looking to add a depth defenseman that you know can either play in your second pair or really bolster a third pair. And I think that scenario is when you can get the most for Zadorov or Tanev if you're looking to move him. But as it stands, if my motive, if my plan is to move Lindholm and Hannafin, I'm open to do it at any point. And in regards to your question about what do the returns look like? Well, these... let's, just, let, let's, let's get into those. Okay. Because cause I think they're all different. And I think the timing on all of them is different. I think to your point, like when you decide to pull the trigger on a certain deal is, is different for each scenario. And there's a real potential that a healthy Zadorov, a healthy Tanev, mm-hmm. maybe you don't get a ton of bites right now. But maybe come February, as we start to move towards the trade deadline, you use the term bidding war. Well, now teams have a whole lot of a better, whole lot better idea of what they're going to be. So a team that is, hey, you know what? We thought we were going to be a cup contender, and we believe we're a cup contender. But now, now it's time to make that addition. We need somebody. We we need another shutdown defenseman. Bam! There's Chris Tanev. We need some size and some mobility on our blue line. Bam! There's Nikita Zadorov. And and you probably have two or three teams that you can have conversations with at that time. Whereas because of the type of players Hannafin and Lindholm are, I don't think that they wouldn't be rentals, but I think that there would be teams as interested in looking at them as long-term fits as maybe just a rental player. And again, I'm not saying that a team wouldn't go after Lindholm as a rental or a team wouldn't go after Hannafin as a rental, but... You're acquiring Noah Hannafin, who's not even 27 years and 27 years old until January. You're probably thinking to yourself, "Yeah, we'd also like to get this guy signed. We'd like to have this guy part of our group for the for the long term." And if you're looking at Elias Lindholm, and you're looking at Lindholm as as bolstering your group down the middle, and he's your new number two A center or one A center, you're like, "Yeah, we we wouldn't mind locking this guy up beyond just the however many games he's going to play this season." So I think because of that you've got an opportunity to strike while there's still lots of games left right. in November. Because I think the prospect of a Hannafin joining a team or a Lindholm helping a team, probably teams look at it and say, that helps us finish higher in the standings. And that helps us. And maybe it's not just teams that only believe they're one player away. Maybe it's a Buffalo or maybe it's a, a Detroit or maybe it's a team like that that feels like, yeah, we think that this player will help us, and this player could help us make the playoffs this year, and we also see them as a long-term fit. So maybe getting something done earlier when that player can help you for longer and make more of an impact on your playoff fate, that's why I see Lindholm and Hannafin a little bit different than maybe Tanev or, or even Zadorov at this point. Yeah, if I'm the acquiring team and I'm if I'm team X and I'm looking at the Calgary Flames going, I want to acquire Elias Lindholm, for example. I think this is applicable for Lindholm and Hannafin specifically, but we'll just keep it to Lindholm 
for simplicity's sake. If I know I'm going to be in an 82-game chase for the playoffs, or even if I know that I'm going to be comfortably in, and you don't necessarily know that after nine games, after 10 games, but the expectation is you're one of the top four teams in either conference. I'd much rather have Elias Lindholm on my roster for the last 70 games than the last 18 games. games. And so I might be willing to go out and get him well in advance of the trade deadline. I might be looking at a November move. I might be looking at a December move. And at the same time, and this isn't to disparage Tanev or Zadora because they, I do firmly believe that those will be two of the most coveted defensemen at the trade deadline should the flames go down this road. But if I'm team X, I'm going, I can probably patch up my defense enough to get me to the deadline. And then I can bolster an acquisition. Then when I've got more cap space, I've got more room to navigate and negotiate, but I don't know if I'd necessarily feel the need to try and wait to land an Elias Lindholm or an Noah Hannafin. And that's, that's a deal that I go out and actively pursue knowing that he's on the market. Well, let's let's get into some more specifics. Let's let's start with Hannafin. You know, I I threw out the Hampus Lindholm comparison. Lindholm got Anaheim a you know a, an NHLer, but kind of like you know a lower impact NHLer, but got them a first round pick and two second round picks. That's what Boston paid to bring in Hampus Lindholm. A twenty twenty two first a second in 2023 and a second in 2024 on top of John Moore and Yurho Vakanainen. Yes, exactly. And the asset, the, the highest leverage assets were those three picks. Yes. And John Moore's a journeyman NHL or and, um, but the, the, the first and two seconds, were that's the, the important that, part of the deal. And so I'm not saying that Hannafin is directly comparable to Lindholm, but, they're both top four defensemen. They're both at around the same age when they got dealt. So if the Flames are looking for future assets, could they not be looking at a first and a second for Hannafin? Or could they not be looking at a first and a you know pretty high leverage prospect and, and maybe something else for a guy like Hannafin? I, I think that's reasonable. And I think that a team that is looking at really bolstering their back end if you're a Buffalo or you're a Detroit or you're a Dallas, getting a 26, soon to be 27 in January, Hannafin, with an easy contract to absorb right now, that should be the going rate for what a, a team is paying. How would your expectation change if the Flames were retaining half on both? I think you'd get does even that more. Add a, does that add an additional second to absolutely. either deal? Absolutely. I think it, whether it's a second or a third or whatever it is, I think absolutely that adds even more. If a team who really wants them is like, we can't make it work cap-wise unless you eat X amount, well, the Flames are like, yeah, we, we would love to. We'd have no problem if you give us this. Now, it's easy for me to sit here in the studio and spend the Calgary Flames money by going, yeah, just retain half on both to the tune of roughly $5 No, but it's my million. understanding that... that Ownership okay. would have no problem doing that if if it's best for the future, making it or, 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 or best for an individual deal and, and okay. it's going to maximize a deal. Okay, because the, on the flip side, it's like, okay, if you're going to move these two guys, the Calgary Flames as an organization might want to cut costs elsewhere because I'm 
we'll see what the fan support is and the crowd support is in terms of ticket sales and merch and things of that sort. When you pivot away from trying to be competitive, you can find those things dropping somewhat. But at the same time, if this is going to speed things up and you're able to acquire additional assets to help make your team competitive sooner, particularly when you're talking about a current player for futures type deal, then I think that has to absolutely be on the table for the Calgary Flames. And I'm looking at the the Hampus Lindholm return. I liken Lindholm more as a true top pairing defenseman. And I, I, I think Noah Hannafin for me is Two, a three. good number three. Yeah. But I think it should most definitely be in the ballpark in terms of what your return is, something similar to what the Bruins paid for Hampus Lindholm. And I think the same is true. And, and maybe you're, you're talking about a higher return even for a guy like Lindholm. Oh, yeah. I think on a team that is looking to contend, Lindholm's probably an elite 2C on that team. I would even liken him as a 1B. Or a 1B. Yes. Yeah. And if he... Because I still think he's a top 30 center in the NHL. I absolutely. I, th- I think he's probably a top 20 center in the NHL. And so a really good team, he probably slots as your two or one B. On other teams, probably slides right in as your number one. And I don't know. Like, could you... What about Columbus? I'm just, like, I'm just throwing... Right. Columbus needs a center. They've got plenty of they youth plenty, to serve up. Right? And, and I'm just throwing out different names that could be potential landing spots. And I think that they're all fair. And the the good thing about making a trade for a guy like Lindholm and Hannafin is that I don't know if they're just the typical rental type deals, which gives you an even larger ability to, I think anyway, maximize on these trades. Where would you be on this? Because it was a name that kept coming back to me in the summer somewhat. And they're not identical players, certainly not. They have their different strengths and weaknesses. I believe it's three years apart in terms of age. But look what the Winnipeg Jets got for Pierre-Luc Dubois, which was Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and a second. Granted, Dubois on the younger side. Lindholm is on the, I would say, better all-round side. And if I had to win a game tomorrow, I'd probably play Lindholm over Dubois. And there were some contract considerations at that time as well for the Los Angeles Kings in terms of inking him long-term, if I'm not mistaken there. So not necessarily a complete different scenario there. And in order to get a return like that, I imagine the team has to know Elias Lindholm is interested in being there longer term. But I wonder if something like that is too high a bar to expect for Elias Lindholm. Again, there's the differences between, you know, Dubois skews younger, Lindholm's older, but I will argue to the death that might be a little bit far-fetched, but Lindholm's a better all-round player for me. So I wonder what could be, I wonder what could be out there in terms of an expected return on Lindholm. And then Tanev and Zadorov are more your typical rental type moves. Yes. And that's fine too. And I think you could get nice return come deadline or close to the deadline for both those players if the Flames were to decide to do that, to do this. And that's why I don't know if they've made a decision right now. I know that they have um, over the last, I don't know, four or five days of really going back even to late last week have kind of geared down and, and, 
There's been a much more wait-and-see type attitude on both sides, both player and, and team side. And now the team's deciding exactly what direction they want to go here. Well, and I think that's the smart move for all parties involved. Again, it's a 2-6-1 start. You've lost five straight. You've scored six goals in that span. You've only scored 11 five-on-five goals this year. This is from Elliot Friedman by way of the Eric Francis article. Teams four points back or more missed the playoffs 88.7% of the time, dating back to 2005-2006 on the November 1 date. The Calgary Flames sit three back of Nashville and Arizona for the second wild card. Each has played one fewer game. So one of those two teams wins that makeup game. The Flames are five back. Four back if one of them steals a point. So it's an uphill battle for the Calgary Flames as it stands October 31st. I prefer to wait and see. And the American Thanksgiving deadline is probably the one I'm looking at to see where the Calgary Flames are. But for the meantime, I absolutely pause everything in terms of contract negotiations right now. Uh, okay, here's uh, on the text line at 960-960. Um, this says from Sam and Lethbridge. Uh, no, that one. That one's a trade. Not not like it's a bad text. Just it's a it's a hypothetical trade. Uh, this one from Murray. Are we overvaluing Lindholm's value considering his stats last year in the first nine games this year? Also, do the Flames have a first round pick this year? Uh, as for this year, it's kind of up in the air yeah. with all the the nine hundred conditions, million different conditions on that first round pick that went to came from Florida, then went to Montreal. Um, as for are we overvaluing Lindholm? No, I think he's one of the premier two-way centers. Whether his numbers are high-end or not, he's one of the premier two-way centers and best two-way centers in the NHL. Uh, this says, I think the value of Hannafin and Lindholm is their contracts, and that's a huge benefit. They should want to trade them earlier than later, and I do think that they're very palatable and easy-to-absorb contracts are a big-time benefit. And this one says, trade them now and retain maximum dollars on both Lindholm and Hannafin and maximize return in draft picks and or prospects make them affordable to most teams. One year retention doesn't hurt the team long term. So that's just a few of the text. 2.5 mil each roughly ballparking it. You could have a, a line of suitors if those teams truly believe that they're one of those pieces away from being a contending team. Uh, lots of other things to dive into on this hour of Flames Talk. It's uh, Pat and Vickers along with you. Let's talk a little bit about Connor Zeri, who uh, gets his first recall on this Tuesday. Very neat to see. Very well-deserving. I'm, I'm excited to see him make his NHL debut against the Stars. Yeah, he is one of the youth of the Calgary Flames in training camp that uh, were competing for a spot. And I firmly believe the Calgary Flames were leaning more towards a fourth-line role when Cole Schwint at the time made the team out of camp. Connor Zari, again, showed really well for me. Went back to the Wranglers. All he did was get a point in every single game so far this season. He's got nine assists and ten points. This is a, to me, this is a it-makes-sense kind of call-up given where the Calgary Flames are right now. He's been productive at the AHL level. He His stock, I guess, if you want to look at a player's development as a stock, has trended upward since uh, the last couple of seasons. And this is just one of those situations where Flames gave him a checklist. He went, okay, check, 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 check. All right. Next step is to to see what you've got at the NHL level, and it looks like he might get that opportunity on Wednesday. I'm excited. It's uh, it's it's good for him. I I look. 
don't look to Connor's area. I know the Flames aren't. And definitely on the outside, we shouldn't be looking at him to no. solve their offensive woes. But here's a guy who's had a great year in the American League, came off a really strong camp with the Flames. He deserves this opportunity. It's a little enthusiasm. It's a little youth. It's a little energy. And you know what? I like the fact they're giving him an opportunity right from the get-go. Put him in a top-nine role. Put him on power play, two right uh, from the get-go. He was on power play, two with Backlund, Mangiapane, Hannafin, and Uyghur at practice. He was on a line with Kadri and Sharon Govich at practice. Let's listen to Connor Zeri, who uh, gets his first NHL recall and presumably his first NHL game on Wednesday. Very special, I think, to get that call yesterday. I was kind of just sitting on the couch day off, but I uh, got a call from Brad Pascal, and he kind of is the first one to give me the news. And uh, I think of a kid uh, playing hockey, that's that's your dream kind of phone call. So uh, it was pretty special to get that one. What about the opportunity now to, uh, you know, whether it's in tomorrow or not, obviously don't know this yet, but um, just about the opportunity ahead of you and how you can make the most of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for what's to come. Obviously, uh, tomorrow's a new day, and we'll, we'll see what happens at the, with the lineup and everything. But when I get my chance, when I get my opportunity, I just think most, make the most out of it. It's, it's going to be special no matter when it comes, and, and I'm going to want to take it all in. But at the same time, uh, make an impression, take advantage of that opportunity. Was kind of today the first step of that, the, you know, to make an impression, obviously your first practice? Yeah, I think it's just good to get on the ice with this, uh, this group and, and uh, get back to the, to the highest level and, and kind of get that pace going. And, and, and yeah, like you said, it's just nice to be around here. What makes you feel ready for this opportunity and, and to take advantage of it? Yeah, I think just how I've uh, developed my game over the last couple of years. I think I had a really good season last year and, and built a lot of strengths and, and built a lot of areas, not not only with the puck, but away from the puck in my game last year. And then I think continue that into into the camp this year and, and, and thought I had a pretty pretty good camp and, and showed well. And then I was able to carry that into the regular season in the American League and, and started to have some success personally and as a team and I think that's uh, what kind of springboarded me to this opportunity. Who was the first person you called uh, after you got the news? Uh, the first person I called was my mom. Uh, she she was kind of at home a little sick but uh, I think it cheered her up uh, quite a bit to, to kind of hear that I was going to get the opportunity to come up here. What was the kind of key to the you said you felt like you were good in camp and then rolled over. What, what's been the key to your season in the A so far? I think just sticking to what I've been good at playing with confidence and and I've been playing the wing now the the first last little bit of camp and and the first six games in the American League so the first month or, or whatnot here and and I think I felt really comfortable there I found my stride I think I've been able to play with a little bit more speed being on the wing and and uh like I said, if I can play with that pace and move pucks quick, it's going to allow me to open up opportunities, especially in the offensive zone. So there's uh, there's Connor Zeri, who makes his NHL debut, presumably, on Wednesday against the Dallas Stars. Sure did look that way. He's got his first NHL recall and went through a practice on Tuesday. So good for Connor Zeri. That's a really cool story. And also good news on the Rasmus Anderson front. Vixie uh, has missed the last four games. The Flames have scored five times in those four games, lost all four, and I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence that their offense has really dried up in the four games that Anderson has missed. They've missed him a lot. They've missed him on the power play. They've missed him at five on five. This is a guy that touches so much of what they do. It's obvious. Just they're, they're going to be in so much better shape with Rasmus back against the Stars. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that the Flames were going 4-0 if they had him over the course of the past four games, but I wouldn't suggest that they'd necessarily be 0-4 at the same time. It's a really simple conversation to have. It's a how important is getting your best skater back conversation. He's their best defenseman. He's in your top pair. He plays over 23 minutes a night. As you mentioned, he's 
a five on five catalyst for breaking the puck out and getting the puck in the offensive zone. He's on your top power play unit. He's on your penalty kill. He's one of your leaders. He wears an A. I don't know if it can be understated at this point how much he means to the team. And we've certainly got the body of evidence to prove yeah. it over the course of the past four games. Here is uh, Rasmus on what he saw while serving his four-game suspension and more as he returns to the lineup Wednesday against the Stars. Yeah, I mean, you never want to watch as a, as a player. And, uh, you know, it sucks when it sucks when we're losing and you're not playing. And um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, new week, new opportunities, uh, new home game. And... Uh, we got to bring our best tomorrow. What uh, what did you see uh, the team watching from the past few games? I mean, it's always tough sitting up there. Um, you know, you know how fast it is, uh, fast the game is, and uh, how much uh, you know the players are trying and uh, stuff like that. But you know, uh, we probably uh, the San Luis game probably didn't play our best, and uh, you know, then the outdoor game. You know, it's an outdoor game. It's a lot of emotions, a lot of. Uh, a lot of new stuff and uh, that kind of stuff. So, uh, but yeah, as I said, it's a it's a new day and uh, uh, new opportunities here this week um, to uh, win tomorrow and then take it from there. I think you're always probably pretty good at this, but is there you know you talk about opportunity, maybe an opportunity to bring some energy to come back in and, and provide some of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you always want to bring energy, especially if you haven't played for a little while. And uh, so yeah, I'm going to bring my best tomorrow, and uh, the team will as well. What's, what's making the mood of the team right now as you try to end this little skid? Uh, you know, I think we're all looking ourselves in the mirror and to see what we can bring out. And uh, we know as a team, we know as uh, individuals that we need to be better. And uh, we, uh, you know, we just got to get the swagger, confidence, uh, make plays back. And uh, then, uh, you know, it's uh, then we'll take it from there. But, uh, you know, the swagger and the confidence and then, you know, make, make some plays and score some goals and have some fun. What were your thoughts on the suspension and, and all the what led to it? I mean, it's it's obviously an unfortunate situation. Uh, you never want to see anyone get hurt, and uh, and you know I feel sorry for for Patrick for being hurt, and uh, it was never my intention. And uh, you know the hit itself, you know you, at the end of the day, you, you, you just gotta you gotta respect the league's decision, and um, and it's better I just respect the decision and not say uh, say much more. So Rasmus Anderson has now served his four-game suspension. He'll return to the lineup Wednesday against the Dallas Stars. Heard a little bit from Rasmus and Connor Zeri in there. As we are well underway this hour on Flames Talk, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg along with you. And this hour is coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement -y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, rolling along on this Tuesday edition of the program. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. So it's uh, Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers along with you on Flames Talk. And, you know, when when got the um, got the invitation to welcome our next guest, the program was an easy yes. And then you uh, dive into what's happening at Wednesday's game between the Flames and Stars. It's like okay, the, the, we, we we've got some fun to be had with our next guest. So he just happens to be a uh, two time Stanley Cup champion, uh, including a nineteen eighty nine Cup champion with the Flames. His uh, number thirty's hanging in the rafters at the dome. He's uh, set to be inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in less than a couple of weeks. We say. Say hello to uh, Flames legend Mike Vernon inside hockey right now. Mike, first of all, appreciate the time. How are we doing today? Not, not so bad. Just uh, 
getting ready for Halloween, and hopefully we'll see a few kids and hand out some uh, candy. That's nice. That's good. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> and then, and then, so looking forward to Wednesday, um, you're you're doing something with Mike's Hard Lemonade. So I was I was doing the research. So for the last little bit, for the last week or so. People have been going to immike.ca, and if their name is Mike or Michael or something similar, um, they've been uh, putting their name into a draw, and we can now tell you what that draw is all about. So Mike's Hard Lemonade is going to be picking 60 Mike's or Mike-adjacent people to come to the game against the Stars on Wednesday, hang out with a VIP experience, uh, watch the game against the Stars with Mike Vernon. Like you, you've, got a pretty, uh, you've got a pretty good Wednesday plan, Mike. Well, it's not too bad. And uh, even later on tonight, I'm, I'm going out and delivering some tickets to some Mike's. Oh, so you're going to go do it in person, out. hey? Yes. <laughs> The reverse trick-or-treat. I like that. There you go. Hopefully they'll have some good candy. And, and I believe you can, uh, I believe if you can even search right on over to uh, IamMike.ca and still enter in. Uh, people have been asked to be able to go to the game against the Stars. Um, so, and, and, and it's been shrouded in mystery here, but Mike's Hard Lemonade's uh, throwing a bit of a party. Have you, um, have you ever been with that many Mikes in one room before? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I think they were having trouble. I even asked if you, how many mics are season ticket holders? And there were, I guess they were scanning and looking for uh, the people's name with Mike. And I thought Mike was a popular name or Michael, you know, it's a quite popular name. So we'll see how it all turns out. I, uh, it, it, it sounds like it'll be a, uh, it sounds like it'll be a fun evening. And I will say that the timing Seems less than coincidental in terms of, you know, when this might be happening and, and when the Flames and Mike's Hard might be having a bit of a Mike Vernon party because uh, you're less than two weeks away from going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, that's that's coming right up here, Mike. How, how are we feeling? What's the anticipation level like? Well, so far it's calm. I think it's going to get a little hectic when I when I get to Toronto. I, I know they, they have a lot of events planned and i have a full full schedule probably for four or five days so uh i think it's going to be overwhelming a bit i just gotta take a couple deep breaths and uh take it all in and and just enjoy the moment is the uh is the speech written like or or where's the uh what's the progress like on your induction speech i think i got three three renditions already done so i (laughs) i just gotta narrow things down they unfortunately i'm a long-winded individual so they're only giving me five minutes (laughs) and and so i gotta i gotta shorten all these things up and and come up with something so hopefully uh you know i just you know there's so many people to thank but i don't want to i want to just generalize and just what it really means to me and talk about that so i'm working on it has it? I remember we we had you on the and and you were on with the with the with the boys the day that it was announced that you were going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. But that was a few months ago. Now since the yeah. summertime, like has it sunk in or or how has it sunk in for you that hey you're gonna you're gonna be enshrined in you know the most hallowed building in hockey? Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's. 
I really haven't kind of thought about it. I've just kind of been in my own little world type thing, but it's, uh, it's creeping up. And uh, I guess when people, when I run into people and they say, congratulations, I guess I kind of go, Oh yeah, I got to get ready for this thing. So (laughs) uh, I think we're, I think I'm pretty well prepared. I think uh, my family's pretty well prepared. I, we have a big uh, contingent uh, of people going down to Toronto, and uh, so hopefully it'll they'll all have a good time. And uh, it's uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, you know, just to be amongst those the players that are inducted there, and just being there with family and friends, uh, I think it's going to be an awesome experience. Has has the actual honor of it? I mean, you get that call and and you find out you're going, and and it's such a huge moment. But has 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 the honor of what's going to happen grown as as the last few months have passed by? Well, every time the phone rings, I think someone's going to call me from the hall and take it away from me. So, <laughs> I, I I haven't got that comfortable and, until it actually happens, until you actually get the ring, the coat, and get up there and with your plaque and and give your your speeches once all that stuff sinks in and then it's surreal and i think right now with just leading up to it it's uh you know there's just a lot of things that go into uh, you know like my speech i i know i only have five minutes but i you know, we got two kids already coming for halloween but uh <laughs> it's it's it, it's just one of those things that uh you know, I, I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited about it, but I have to try to keep a keep it cool and just kind of yeah. take it all in stride right now. We're chatting with uh, Mike Vernon, joining us here on Flames Talk this hour, and uh, he'll be uh, it'll be a really cool thing on Wednesday. There's going to be uh, uh, an entire Mike Vernon section, thanks to Mike's Hard Lemonade, with everybody's name. Mike or something similar uh, all at the game Wednesday against the Dallas Stars. We'll tell you a little bit more about that as we continue along. Joining us here on Flames Talk, it's Pat and uh, Aaron along with you, Aaron. Mike, I just wanted to ask, this is a true goalie Hall of Fame class with yourself, Tom Barrasso, Henrik Lundqvist. Just how cool or neat is it that you get to go in with a couple fellow tenders? Well, I, you know, you hit it right on the head. It's, uh, It's kind of a goalie year sort of thing and for the selection committee to uh induct three of us um that's something that means a lot to i'm sure tom and hendrick and myself so and 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 the goalie uh fraternity has got to be excited about it but uh you know i one of my first calls was glenn hall and uh, we all know that uh, glenn's in the hall of fame and great goaltender uh, he was my coach for nine years, and he was he was very excited when I told him the news. And uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's a good thing. You know, when you talk to one of your peers, and they give you that vote of confidence, and uh, that's kind of special. That means a lot. Refresh my memory, Mike, because we talked in the summer when this was announced. Was it Lanny that called you? Yeah, Lanny and uh, Mike Gardner. Yeah, so now we talked about joining the goalie class, but you're also joining a pretty neat list as well. You're joining uh, Al McInnes, Lanny, Mullen, 
Dougie Gilmore, Joe Neuendijk from that 1989 Cup winning team, plus Cliff Fletcher, Harley Hotchkiss, Doc Seaman as builders. That's got to be pretty special to be able to join that group, that collection in the hall. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've always said uh, I've had the privilege of playing with some great players. And uh, we had some great teams. And, uh, you know, we all pushed each other to strive for better. And uh, we demanded a lot from each other. And uh, a lot of those guys that you named will be there. And uh, I look forward to uh, reminiscing with them and uh, and definitely honored to be uh, mentioned in the same breath, you know, as into the inducted into the Hall of Fame. Do you ever just sit back and, and think back about 89 and how stacked that team absolutely was? Like, we just ran through the list of names that are now Hall of Famers. Like, that was an elite, elite group of players. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate we couldn't have kept that team together. I, you know, it's uh, we were a big team. We were a good hockey club. We had a lot of depth. Uh, you know, it was, you know, Cliff Fletcher did a, magnificent job of trying to build that franchise and uh and bring in the right players and you know he traded away <laughs> Brett Hall and they thought he was crazy and yeah. but he he added depth into our Rick Wamsley came in uh there was several guys from St. Louis uh, Rob Ramage that was outstanding during the playoffs cuz Gary Suter got injured and he stepped in and played power play penalty killing and everything else and we trade him the next summer, but he was, you know, he was named the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's the type of player he was. He was a leader, and he was a great player. And then you go to look at Mark Hunter and other guys we got, and Doug Gilmore we got from St. Louis. So um, Cliff was the mastermind behind that, and uh, he always said, "I got to build a team that beats Edmonton Oilers because we have to get through them to get to the Stanley Cup Finals." Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, we're talking to Mike Vernon and, and even thinking about some of the other names that aren't in the Hockey Hall of Fame from that 88-89 team. Well, you, could, you could make really strong arguments for, for Hoken Lube or for Gary Suter or for Theo Fleury or for uh, Gary Roberts. And there's some really, really good arguments you could make down the road that even more of those guys could be in there. And, and, and you know, Mike, I, I, was, I was up in Edmonton at Commonwealth Stadium for the Heritage Classic over the weekend and was thinking back to, they, they didn't do an alumni game this year, but was thinking back to 2011 and that alumni game that you were a part of against Montreal. And I, I had the, the privilege of being in the locker room after that game and, and doing some interviews. And I just, you know, you're, you're looking around and... It was like it was like you guys were back in your heyday playing, and and it looked like none of you guys had had skipped a beat from when you were all together in the in the late eighties. It, it that uh, that must have been pretty cool to even reminisce when you saw the outdoor game over the weekend, hey? Well, it's it, you know it's the whole thing. You know, you win a Stanley Cup together. It doesn't matter if you you don't see each other for a year, or two years, or three years. As soon as you get together, it's just it's like nothing time has gone by. It's it just, you go on, you, you, you know, the, the conversation is great and you, you kind of rip each other a bit. You just have a bunch of laughs and it, it's a, it, it's great because those memories will never leave and uh, we'll always have those. And that's uh, like I said, the relationships that you make along the way of your hockey career is 
probably one of the coolest things about the game of hockey. Have you uh, have you warmed up from that alumni game from 2011? Because that was that was freezing that day. Oh no, I I I hurt my shoulder, both shoulders, and it took me uh, almost three years to get over. And I will never do that ever again. <laughs> you, you know, you, you got to understand that these guys might not be able to skate as much, like as fast. They put on some weight but they all can shoot a puck. They can still shoot it, eh? My reflexes and uh, my reaction time has slowed down dramatically, and it, it, it was not fun. I, you know, New and Dyke and these guys are whistling by my ear in warm-up, and I'm swearing <laughs> at them, and, and they're just chuckling. They just thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> oh, dude, see, it really was like you were back playing again. Uh, that's funny. Um well, uh, as as we start to wrap up, Mike, really appreciate the time. Uh, so so tell us about what's going to happen on Wednesday. So they got an entire section of Mike's at the game for Mike's Hard Lemonade. They'll be sitting with you, watching the Flames and Stars, VIP experience. You're going to deliver the news to a bunch of people uh, tonight. Uh, just tell us a little bit more about uh, how fun Wednesday should be with Mike's Hard Lemonade. Well, it it's... It, it's happened so quickly. It, you know, we haven't really chatted. They flew in today, and I'm going to be meeting the, the Mike's Hard Lemonade uh, uh, promotion people tonight, and we'll go over things. But there's there's interviews. There's uh, hanging out with the mics, all the mics, and I don't know what they're giving them and what's going to be happening, but I, I'm sure it will be a good time. And uh, everybody will have a good laugh, and uh, hopefully we can cheer on the Flames to a victory. Yeah, and if you are going to the game on Wednesday, uh, the Mike Vernon Appreciation Section, the uh, group of 60 Mikes, will be in Section 105 for Mike's Hard Lemonade on uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, Mike, really appreciate the time. Have fun on Wednesday, and uh, have fun in Toronto in a couple weeks for your Hockey Hall of Fame induction. That should be so cool. We're really looking forward to watching it from afar. Thanks so much for uh, doing this today. Really appreciate the time. Not a problem. You guys take care. You as well. That is uh, Mike Vernon, Stanley Cup champion, two-time Stanley Cup champion, a uh, number 30 hanging in the rafters, and soon, not quite yet, he's a he's been nominated and elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame, not inducted yet. That's coming in two weeks, but soon to be officially enshrined in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. Always good to chat with an 89 Cup-winning legend. And Mike Vernon joined us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. You can head on over to uh, immike.ca for a little bit more. And if you want to go to Co-op, buy some Mike's Hard Lemonade at uh, Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits Beer. They'll have it there for... Mike's hard everywhere in uh, one of those coolers. Um, yeah, always pretty cool. That I know that you and it was you and Logo chatted with. Yes, him it was on, amazing. On election day, it's one of my favorite interviews I've been fortunate enough to do on this radio station. It was one of those holy bleep moments for me. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. It was just a great interview. Mike's fantastic. He was so generous with his time, given the fact that it hadn't been pretty too long. Day. It was a busy yep. day for the for the guy. He was making the rounds and just. It was just great to have that opportunity to chat with him, and, and it was a very candid conversation, very emotional conversation, and and well-deserved for number 30. Well, and, you know, it 
hasn't been that long since Jerome went into the Hockey Hall of Fame and mm-hmm. a couple years later, Mike Vernon goes in. You go down the list of all the guys that are there. Like we didn't mention a few others. You know, Phil Housley's in the, the Hockey Hall of Fame. He would have played with Mike. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. I'm looking forward to that. That's in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's uh, November 10th to 13th, I believe, is the induction weekend for the Hockey Hall of Fame. So, um, yeah, good to talk to him. Check out Section 105 on Wednesday when the Flames take on the Dallas Stars. And uh, with that, we start to wrap up this hour. Thank you, Vix. My pleasure, buddy. Uh, Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Cam Taylor, our producers this hour. And this hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450. Or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com.